0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus.
1: Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after
0: Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. And away we go! It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives.
2: Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right
0: now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel.
1: The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio petitioning you for help. Received an email sent to idea at wretched.org that caused me to noodle. I think I might possibly maybe know the answer, which I know is not the language of a talk show host typically. But this question from a young man who is clearly hurt, is trying to be a godly young man, caused me to try to work really hard to noodle together a biblical answer to a difficult question. And I suspect you could help this young man by either refuting what I'm about to say or adding to it or taking a completely different angle. Would you please help this young man out? Idea at wretched.org. Here was the email. Hello. Hello. I'm wondering how the family structure changes in a household after the death of the father. (sighs) Sorry for your loss, Elijah. Always hard to lose a mom and dad. It's even hard if you have a rotten mom and dad. It's mom and dad. And I'm sorry for your loss, Elijah. I know Christ is the head of all, but who now leads the family? As a teenage guy, must I fill that role for my family? Over my mother, idea at wretched.org. Here were my noodlings on the subject. I started out with some premises. What do we know about the institution of the family? Well, we know that dad is the only one authorized to be the spiritual leader. Dad is the one that is commanded to be the provider for the family. Dad is no longer there. That's the issue so who plays that role? I think we need to start with remembering God has assigned roles to family members. And he assigned dad the role of spiritual leader and provider. And because dad is the only authorized spiritual leader and because it would be a usurpation of roles, you you aren't given the authority to play that role. And because you brought up mom, you would then have authority over mom, and that's backwards because parents have authority over children. So for all of those reasons, I would offer a sympathetic, no, you, you don't play that role. But having said that, we know why this question is asked. We, a young man wants to help out, and we've seen enough movies where it's time for you to be the man of the house, son. Well, he can never be that, because biblically, only one person can play that role, and his name is father. The young man, however, can do much to be a blessing to his mother and siblings. So you don't get to have that title. You don't get to have that authority. But that doesn't mean that you can't help. You, you can help by being a spiritual cheerleader. Not the leader, but to be a spiritual helper. You can help through provision, through doing work, taking some responsibility for the younger kids. You know, it's a lot of dad stuff there. And so you can do those things, but you can't do the role that isn't permitted for you to play. That's my take. You got something better? Let's help Elijah out. Idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, you got anything better before we get to the mailbag? No, I don't think I do. I don't think I can add to that. Uh, that's that, I, I, you, When you're confronted with something that causes you to scratch your chin and wonder, huh, huh Where? Do I, I don't have a Bible verse. Do we." The first question would be, well, do we see this particular subject addressed? I couldn't think of it. Do we see any instances where a father died and the son took the spiritual role of authority? No, I don't see that. So what I need to do is study the subject. This is how we formulate a systematic theology, incidentally. You study all the verses about a subject, and these were the verses that I thought of. Who is assigned the role of spiritual leader? It's the dad only, and there are no caveats. And so we see, furthermore... That parents still have authority over children, so the son can't leapfrog over mom and play a role that God does not permit him to play. But he sure can help out right? And, and pick up some of the pieces because of dad's death. That's how I noodled it together. What do you got? Idea at wretched.org. To the mailbag we go. And we start with Matthew, who's wondering the
2: difference between obedience and legalism.
1: Yeah, (laughs) toed and point. What's the attitude behind the obedience? What's the motive? And then what's the point? Why are you doing this? To what end? If your obedience is to earn God's favor, then you're being a legalist. If you are adding laws where there are no laws, you are being a legalist. So we seek to be biblically obedient without saying that those laws are necessary for salvation. Otherwise, that would be work righteousness, and that kicks against the entire theme of the Bible of grace, idea at wretched.org. And we go to Samuel, who says, Mr.
2: Friel, recently in a leadership meeting here in my local church, the comment was made that if we get the kids in, We'll get the adults. Yeah. And the statement has not sat well
1: with me since that meeting. I would enjoy hearing your thoughts. Fascinating. Uh, I, I think there's some truth in it. How do I know? Well, that happens to be the modus operandi of the Tomorrow Clubs. That's what they do all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa. And it is going gangbusters there. They're opening up club after club after club where kids in the village come and they learn about Jesus. They get loved on. They get some treats. Yeah, they'll do some fun, but overall, it's Bible teaching, it's Bible memory, it's singing praise songs to Jesus, it is teaching them the gospel, because they recognize that the kids will come to something like this when the parents perhaps won't. They get saved, they go home with what they're learning, and Tomorrow Clubs have seen it over and over again that families do come because the kid gets saved and wants mom and dad to go to church now. So it can, it, it can be an effective tool. Now the question would be, is that a, a good motive of the church? I, I, I In this instance, I don't think it is. We want, we want to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. We want to reach the world. Paul had a strategy. I think I preached on this a few weeks ago. If you look at Acts chapter 17 and 18 and 19, repeatedly you say, you see, as was his custom, might I paraphrase it? Why not? The message does. As was his strategy, he went to synagogues. If he had success there, he just stayed there and kept teaching people and people were added to the church. If they didn't, then he'd go to the Gentile. He had a plan, and I think a church can have an evangelistic strategy. Vacation Bible schools it it gets the kids the gospel. Parents come; they see the homework. They get invited to come to church on Sunday. Did schools? Do did churches still do that, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. That that on Sunday, invite your parents to come because we're going to be doing the you know the wrap up to the week. Right. Yes. Unless you're being duplicitous or some sort of scheme is connected to it, I, I I don't think that that would trouble me at all. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Now from Craig,
2: Mr. Friel, there are some in our church who will not sign the statement of faith because they say that, or because it says God created male, male and female. Hmm. And uh, they state that there are babies born with both male and female uh, genitalia. So sure. the statement is not true.
1: Uh, there, there's actually two issues in this. Let, let's deal with the pretty basic one. We do not make rules based on exceptions. If somebody is born with different body parts than their actual DNA, uh, we call that a deformity. That, that, that isn't normality. Therefore, we see there are two genders. Furthermore, forget science. God created male and female, period. He's the one who determined pink and blue. Not science. Science only affirms it. However, what do you do with somebody who won't sign a statement of faith? Obviously, it depends on the issue. I can imagine you're a Presbyterian, and the only good church in town is a Baptist church, and the Baptist statement of faith is has believers' baptism. Could you sign that statement of faith? Well, I, I think that there needs to be an agreement between you and the elders that, yeah, you you disagree with that, and you're not going to cause any trouble as a member. But I think then you could sign the statement of faith because that issue isn't an essential. There are other issues, though, like this one, that should at the very least raise eyebrows. What else is going on here? What is your understanding of genders and sexuality and marriage? Where are you at? So I think a statement of faith is helpful. We need to remember the biblical requirement— for entrance into membership of a local church is salvation. But I think having a robust theological statement that we ask people to sign is a great way to determine if they are saved or not. And in this instance, I would be inclined to work through it long before I embrace them and welcome them into fellowship. Idea at wretched.org. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, and help for Elijah. This is Wretched Radio.
2: Okay, so I know it's June and Christmas is six months from now,
1: but everywhere
2: you turn at the moment, you're hearing about the supply line or delays with mail delivery. So we put our heads together here at Wretched and thought, you know, it might be a good idea to start Christmas shopping now. Write these dates down, June 17th through 19th. It's the annual Wretched Summer Sale that could possibly be the Wretched Christmas Sale. Those dates, most everything in the Wretched store will be marked down. All audio and video products will be 50% off, except trans. Transformed, and all Wretched curriculum also 50% off, except transformed. And our gospel booklet bundles will be drastically reduced as well. I know you don't want to think about Christmas at the moment, but we don't want to be those people. You know, the ones that say, told you so when December rolls around and there's some kind of supply line, postal service, stimulus check, mask mandate, state of emergency happening. Because we will be those people. So just take advantage of the Wretched Summer Maybe Christmas Sale June 17th through the 19th at the Wretched Store at Wretched.org.
1: If you lament and mourn that over 3,000 babies are terminated every day in this country because of the sin of abortion, would you please visit preborn.org slash wretched. Learn about a ministry that is holistic. It preaches the gospel to mom. She gets saved and it ends this cycle of unwed pregnancies, abortion, unwed pregnancies, abortion. The gospel puts a halt to that. And then when a mom sees an ultrasound of her child, 80% of the time she determines that's my baby and I'm going to keep my child. That is what preborn.org is all about. And so if you mourn, the wicked sin of abortion and its consequences, and I know you do. Visit preborn.org slash wretched, org slash wretched.
2: Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched Store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not Already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org/donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
0: Know your church fathers. Tartian is known as Asia's first Christian theologian. He came from Assyria and studied under Justin Martyr before returning to prepare a path for the gospel into Western Asia. He wrote A Harmony of the Four Gospels. It was the primary gospel text in Syria throughout the third and fourth centuries. This is Wretched Radio with
1: Todd Friel. Well, the plot thickens. This is Wretched Radio. Next week, Southern Baptist Convention taking place in Anaheim, California. We are going to track it, and we even have one of the messengers that is going to bring us a daily report on the big stuff that's happening. I think there are at least four mega issues for the Southern Baptist Convention. You've got the CRT issue, Of course, that has not been resolved yet. You've also got the life issue being brought out on the table. This is the incrementalist versus versus abolitionist approach. Is the Southern Baptist Convention going to change the statement that they affirmed last time that said, all we want is abolition, which made incrementalists go, hey, well, wait a second, what? Well, don't don't we want babies to be saved as many as babies can be saved as possible? We're for that. Of course, we all want it abolished. But along the way, millions of babies can be saved through legislation. And I would also add to that, because I happen to be an incrementalist, that what if this Supreme Court leak is accurate, uh, that is a major forward progress And I think the incrementalists had a lot to do with that. They're going to be battling with that issue. Then, of course, you've got the presidency. Who's it going to be? It's going to be a tell if they go with the more conservative guy, the less conservative guy, because I I think we have to be fair. I don't think there's many, maybe even any people in the SBC who are like liberal They're all they're all of a conservative shade. But as we know, in politics, there can be degrees of conservative hashtag rhino, which one will win. The fourth issue, and this is where the plot thickens, is the Guidepost Solutions investigation into the response of the executive committee regarding sexual abuse allegations. There is no question that is going to be a hot topic. And here's where the plot thickens, Jimmy. Where's that? Tom Askell. Hmm. He's running for president, by the way. He tweeted out a picture of Guidepost Solutions. I thought Guidepost Solutions was a ministry because in my mind, I thought, well, why would the SBC bring in a non-Christian entity to judge us? Um, that's backwards. <laughs> where? We're going to be judging the world. You remember Paul's admonition of the Corinthians? What are you doing going to court? You've got unbelievers judging you? Are you kidding me? You can't get this sorted? So I thought it was a ministry. Turns out it's an LLC who just posted a rainbow sign saying they affirm all things LGB, etc. How nice. Well, 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 the plot thickens. That means... There's more going on with this story, and I suspect there's going to be another chapter yet written. We need to remember that a story is not told in a day. Let's watch this thing unfold because there might be an inclination to go, oh, so that's what they're all about. Well, I think we should certainly be mindful of that. Does that automatically then suggest the 704 reports of sexual abuse as reported by Guidepost Solutions is inaccurate? Not necessarily. We still need to go through those to determine they they need to be adjudicated. So we got ourselves a broiling situation going on. Let's see how the SBC handles it. Please be praying for them. I'm telling you, be praying for the SBC. We'll be watching it. We'll bring as many details as we get. Jimmy, did I miss anything with the SBC? I don't think so. I don't think so. Those are the big four. Yeah, those are... It's it's going to be fascinating. I, I don't know that you've got time to sit and watch the entire thing, but it will be instructive. It'll also be interesting to see how many people show up because mm-hmm. there are some people who have made the suggestion that Anaheim was chosen because it's way over there and all of the people from the Bible Belt are less inclined to go to California, especially if you have to wear a mask. Now, do you, I think the mask thing is done on the airplanes. Right? On the airplanes, Yes. I did see Delta's cutting flights, though, because there is absolutely nothing our president can do about gas prices. Nothing. They're at the There's just nothing you can do about it. But raise them. But raise the prices. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you could, you know, open up the pipelines. I know you could do more drilling in America and we could be energy self-sufficient. But apparently there's nothing that can be done. And this to me is another example of how an ideology is currently reigning in the political realm. Because the decisions that are being made today are not about people. They're not for human flourishing. This is ideologically driven this is green ideology that's going to win people are going to lose please send questions comments conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org
2: all right this one comes from uh, steve he was wondering should we be praying to jesus or to god
1: yes <laughs> the biblical pattern It's not the biblical command, but the biblical pattern we see is we pray to Father in the name of Jesus, his Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But because they're co-equal, co-eternal, et cetera, can we pray to the Spirit? Yes. Can we pray to Jesus? Absolutely. But the pattern that we see to the Father, through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. But you can't lay down a law where there is no law Feel comfortable doing any of them, but perhaps do your best to stick to what is the biblical pattern. Furthermore, don't forget the Holy Spirit, Jesus, both interceding on our behalf. Jesus is the intercessor. So keep all of those thoughts in mind as you go about the business praying and don't find yourself feeling terrible because you started praying to Jesus and not God because, well, Jesus is God. Idea at wretched.org. All
2: right. From James, he's wondering how he can discern whether he's just being discontent in his current career or whether it's being revealed that it's not where he should be.
1: Well, this is this is this. I think will answer your question. Five Steps to Making a Decision, and this will answer, what's going on in my heart? How do I feel about this? I can tell you this definitively. You are currently where you're supposed to be because that's where you are. You wouldn't be there if God didn't want you there. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a desire to be elsewhere. We bring our petitions to the Lord. He gives us the desires of our heart as long as they're in alignment with His will and it is the best thing for us. So you're there because God wants you there, but that doesn't mean that you can't desire to be elsewhere. You can find contentment where you are because you know you're working for the Lord and not for the man. But at the same time, you can also go, you know what? It sure would be groovy to be working over there. Lord, would you let me go over there? So here's how it works. You read the Bible on the subject. You get godly counsel. You consider your preferences. You make a decision. That's God's will for your life. And that applies to every decision that we make. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org.
2: All right, from Bree, who is wondering if it's wrong to listen to secular music. My husband and I were having a discussion about music and how the point of music is to glorify God. But in the modern day, it's being used in other areas
1: like entertainment. So should we lessen our secular music intake? My question would be, and I'm not trying to be cheeky by any means because it's a question I think all of us have asked at one point. Typically, especially, too, if you tend to be really scrupulous, like, ah, I don't want to be sitting by listening to secular music. I, get, I understand that. But don't forget, there's no distinction between the sacred and the secular. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't sinful secular music. That means that kind of music would be off the table. It's verboten. But music that does not promote sin or anti-God sentiments, it's no different than a car. We don't ask the question, can I buy a car made by pagans? Can, Can I buy a loaf of bread that were made by unbelievers? We don't ask those questions. Music is kind of a special thing. I get that because so much of it is tainted with bad. There aren't a whole lot of cars being made that have wicked ideologies and sentiments attached to them. So I get that, but we still need to look at it and recognize music, if it is not sinful, it can be enjoyed and consumed by us just like anything else on this planet. And just a note about this, when it comes to purchasing stuff, you are probably increasingly going, ay, 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 where can I spend my money where it's not going to that? And I think the answer is nowhere. But that doesn't mean that it's okay. It's justifiable to sin because I don't think it is a sin to give money to a pagan for a service. I just don't, I, I don't think that we see that anywhere in the Bible. Furthermore, we see Paul working in the marketplace. We see Paul saying it's okay to buy meat from idols. That means you're buying it from a pagan, no admonitions against us. Consume the music. And, and just as a, an aside, one of the comments inside of that question was, well, it's not being used for the glory of God. Okay, so crocodile rock. I don't think the lyrics are sinful. Maybe they are. I don't. Love will keep us together. Think of me, babe, whenever. That Okay, so there's nothing. It's a, it's a love song from a woman to a man to whom she's now divorced. The point is, apparently love didn't keep them together. It's not, it's not singing about anything that's sinful. So there it is. How does that serve to the glory of God? Well, it depends on the person who made it, why they did it. If it's being used for the enjoyment of God's children, it glorifies God. How we consume it and for what end, that is what glorifies God. Not the object itself, but the hearts of those who create it, or consume it. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio.
2: This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Carolina Panther fans are you ready for the 2022 NFL season now well, it's still a few months away but headlines by the Panthers are being made now because they fired the first transgender cheerleader in NFL history the man because that's what he is a man will be decked out in lipstick and miniskirts on the sidelines of every Carolina Panther home game the bright side though Always look for the positive spin, right? The bright side, if entries start to pile up, well, there's somebody there that could strap on a helmet and fill in. Okay, so that's probably not going to happen, but I tried. Did you think New York could ever get more communist?
1: And in the state of New York, we're now requiring social media networks to monitor and report hateful conduct on their platforms
2: That's Empress Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, announcing her new Orwellian move. Hateful is hateful now, obviously, when you just disagree with a comment, like me posting on social media that snow is dumb. And you like snow and like winter. Well, then in New York, I'd be a hateful criminal. What a time to be alive. A group of women gathered earlier this week in Nigeria to protest a church massacre that happened over the weekend. Gunmen hit among the worshippers in the church, while others fired from the outside. The terrorists closed off exits and shot anyone who attempted to escape. Last reports were that at least 38 people were murdered, five of which were children. Another 56 were injured. And a court in Pakistan is granted bail to a Christian man who spent the last three years in jail because his Muslim neighbor accused him of committing blasphemy. Oh, and it gets worse than that. The neighbor's accusations came after he had an argument with a Christian man who he says trespassed onto his property to collect his pigeon. So to get even with the Christian man collecting his runaway pigeon, he decided to falsify the accusation that he blasphemed during their argument, which is unfortunately a crime in Pakistan. The Alliance Defending Freedom is helping with the case and hoping to get all of these false charges dropped, which are becoming more and more common in places like Pakistan. And as we tell you pretty frequently, please make sure that you are fervently and continuously praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important
0: dates in Christian history. 1870. Pope Pius IX proclaims a doctrine of papal infallibility. Though the authority of the Pope had been established for centuries, the teaching that the Pope's teaching is divinely inspired and infallible is a very recent invention.
1: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, and corrections sent to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, I've got a correction right here. Okay. Apparently, you made a really big mistake. I did. Dear Todd, just a small clarification about the United Methodist Church. In 2019, at the Special Calls General Conference, the plan to change the discipline and policies on homosexuality was defeated because of the African members, many of whom have left the Methodist denomination. I believe I, I mean Jimmy, said that they actually ratified that homosexual marriages are acceptable in Methodist communion. They haven't gotten that far yet. So thank you for correcting Jimmy, idea at wretched.org. But Jimmy, I do have another Methodist story here. Okay. I, I, I know we've got Methodist brothers and sisters. I'm yep. sorry, your denomination is crumbling right from under your feet. Here's another demonstration that that is most certainly true. Methodist Church's first drag queen pastor states god is nothing Mm -hmm. oh cool last year the united methodist church accepted this person who regularly preaches dressed as a drag queen under the name miss penny cost oh (laughs) you see what she did there it's, it's a monetary pun and it's a reference to a very special event in church history called pentecost does drag under the name miss penny cost as a candidate for ordination He was affirmed. Since that time, this fellow who serves as an associate pastor at a Methodist church has challenged basic theological concepts, projecting a worldview where divinity rests not in God but in queerness. Don't ask me to explain it because I can't. It doesn't make sense, but this fellow tried to. And what you're about to hear, this is... We, we think that we're being kind by encouraging people in their delusion. We're not. We're not. There's, there's broken thinking going on. Now, that thinking can be repaired. That's true for anyone who is in Christ. We are all broken in some way, shape, or form when we enter the kingdom. But then progressively we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, and this person can be too. But right now, this person is just, listen to the quote. It's just, he speaks of God, not as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but rather as the source of queerness, describing God as nothing but a drag queen with a microphone of biblical bleeping proportions. Nothing. But if she were, she would be, yes, queening her way down the runways of Paris and Montreal. And nothing, but if she were, she would be a seamstress of divine, couture, of divine couture, weaving together string theory and self-portraits to form the fiercest gowns of queer existence. You tracking that? This fellow describes drag as a spiritual experience that allows him to connect with God. Quote, drag allows me to process the mystery of myself, the mystery of God, the mystery of love, the mystery of pain. When I walk the streets in six inch heels and wear four pounds of hair, double stacked wigs, the power which lies within my mystery is released into the world. When I paint my face, meditating upon those who came before me, my spiritual ancestors, I can reach into a deeper part of my soul. This fellow is a Methodist pastor. This is about as Methodist as John Calvin. This person needs regeneration. He doesn't need a pulpit. Please send corrections or whatever to idea at wretched.org.
2: You playing the corrections thing up? Yeah. Because you got one? No, no, no. You just, I got corrected. And that's the first time that's happened. I thought I couldn't be corrected.
1: Well, I know what. you Radio you, talk show host. It, it was actually I. Who was corrected. (laughs) I'm just deflecting because I'm Uh, a radio show host. And uh, (laughs) we don't take responsibility for when we're in error because, well... Then you can't you get your radio show's car taken away. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> all right, from Mark who says, Should all Christians be able to fellowship with all other Christians?
2: Do healthy Christians sometimes just have a hard time fellowshipping with each other? You um and, and he did point out that there's no personal issues or animosity between the particular
1: people he's talking about. He's mm-hmm. just having a hard time connecting with them. Okay. Let's use just some different language to maybe color this a little bit. You and I in Christ are one in unity. And incidentally, I'm telling you, this is this actually might be worth the journey right here. Romans chapter 12. It it I think the theme starts and it goes on for 3 chapters. Would challenge you read this tonight. Read Romans 12 through 15 and you're going to go, "Whoa, God is serious about us getting along. He really wants us to be in fellowship. That's why he prayed in the garden that they would be one even as we are one." Father. So here's what we've got. Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. And then he talks about the body being members, playing different roles. So don't be jealous. Don't be critical. That's the way that God has fashioned them. Then Verse 9, behave like a Christian is the headline. Let love be without hypocrisy. That's what that section is about. Then you get to Romans 13 and you might think, well, there's a speed bump in my observation that that God is wanting us to get along. And that maybe Romans 12 through 15 really isn't about the theme of unity and fellowship. Mm, But I think Romans 13 is injected there because that's how we get along in the world. Submit to the government. Pay your taxes. Get along with people. Then we get to verse 8, love your neighbor. Verse 11, put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Then you get into Romans 14, and this is the great chapter on adiaphora, disputable dispensations, the things we can disagree on, and nobody's sinning, and we can't impose our belief on somebody else if we don't have biblical support. Why is that there? So we get along. Romans chapter 15 continues, I think, the exact same theme. Bearing others' burdens. Verse 7, glorify God together. What is the theme of Romans 12 through 15? Loving one another, getting along with one another, serving one another. Yes, admonishing one another. And we have that in Christ because I am not attracted to a person because they have a certain occupation or because they are a certain socioeconomic status. James warns us about that sort of judgment, doesn't he? No, I love you because you're in Christ. You're loved by Jesus, so am I. We we are in him together. Therefore, we love one another and we are able to get along and love one another and serve one another because of Christ. Now, that is not to ignore that sometimes there are just some people we prefer to be with more than others. That can be a sin if it's condescending, judgmental, critical, or downright nasty, but not necessarily. For instance, Jimmy, you and I, we walk into a church, there's 100 people okay. and, 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 a, and a couple of fellows and a couple of gals come up and they start talking about the radio business because they're in it. They're in the industry of, of communications. Right. We might find ourselves be kind, kind of drawn to that because we have a mutual interest. And it might be my preference in the moment to spend time talking with them because of the subject matter over glazed donuts. There's nothing wrong with that. Furthermore, there are going to be certain people in your church you just prefer to hang out with, to do dinners together that can be very sinful, and we are called to be stretched and love everybody and to make decisions about to whom we are kind based on their need as opposed to what they will return to us. So you got to be careful in this, but I don't want to become a legalist that says, no, you've got to love and like everybody equally the same. You have to love everybody the same, but who you choose to hang out with, I think God allows some preferences, so don't feel terribly guilty about that. Idea at wretched.org.
2: All right. This one comes from... I don't know. Nate. Nate, he hid his name. He says he's been in discussion with someone who holds to open theism. Oh. The attributes that they believe is the God are so radically different from the what we see in Scripture that I'm pretty certain they don't know the same God I do. So at what point do I begin to concern myself over their salvation?
1: Let me tell you about Elvis Presley. Uh, oh, Elvis Presley. Amazing. He this I'm telling you, this guy did more for the legal system and he was passing laws that were terrific. I I don't know if you realize this. He lived in Graceland in Memphis. And this guy, he would argue before the Supreme Court. In fact, if it hadn't been for his tragic early death at the age of 42, rest his soul, He'd probably be a Supreme Court judge. And you would say, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What Elvis are you talking about here? Well, the one who lived in Graceland. OK, well, you got that detail right. But everything else is so wrong. We're not talking about the same guy here. Ditto with God. We can have some disagreements about some things, but the essential things, if we don't have those square, we don't worship the same God. That goes for the Mormon God, the Jehovah's Witness God, and the open theism God that teaches God doesn't know the future. He responds to it just like 911. That, I believe, is a heresy that is outside of orthodoxy, that is not describing the same God as the Bible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Yes, you want to save money because after all, you're a Christian and that's what we want to do. Save money, but never at the expense of our family's health and peace of mind should a family member fall ill. That is why I'd like to commend you MediShare, the gold standard of health care sharing you will save on average $500 per month as a family. How much will you save? It takes two minutes, 844-34-BIBLE. And if you think this isn't very good, you get free telehealth services with MediShare, a huge network of doctors with MediShare and great customer support. And fellow Christians will pray for you. MediShare, 400,000 members strong. Peace of mind and savings. Simply call 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE.
2: Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will, morals? Are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel Partner, Thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate, or you can also just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321.
1: This is our dear brother. Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs. Normally, kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have. Nothing.
0: And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families. We had to escape serving them a the good opportunity
1: to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
0: Books of the Bible The book of James is much like Proverbs for the New Testament employing a concise and memorable style with a simple yet profound message Christians should think and act like Christians it is very easy to understand, but exceptionally difficult to obey. This ought to lead us to repentance and a fresh reliance upon the grace of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Free. Oh,
1: boy. This is Wretched Radio. That is the number of the old toll-free, where you can give us a holla... With a question. Uh, sorry, was that out loud? You know, loud? Jimmy. Yeah, that was out loud. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking that groan. I didn't realize it'd escaped me like that. Just because I'm hip cool and relevant doesn't mean that you need to squash my lingo. Um, no, 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 no.
2: I I'm hip cool and relevant because I don't say that. Mm.
1: Ow, that stung. (laughs) 1-877-282-BEEP, where you can leave a question, comment, conundrum, or snark. Try to be pithy so that Jimmy doesn't have to edit you. 1-877-282. Hey,
2: Todd. What do you think about preachers who say they need
1: to repackage the word? They admit that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, Uh, but... It's up to them to represent the word. What do you feel about that? It depends. We we speak in this culture at this time in history. We're aware of those things because we want to communicate about God in the most effective way possible without watering down scripture, without changing scripture, without compromising on scripture. But having said that, There are those who do those aforementioned things because they think that is what will make it acceptable to the culture. We've got to to recognize the culture overall isn't going to accept the things of Christ. Some are going to get saved. Many will not, and we can't change our tune just because they don't like the song we sing. We have to preach truth wisely, thoughtfully. Can a pastor ever use a current reference? Of course he can. I mean, you want to date your sermon? Sermon, you can, but but you can do it. Can he ever discuss something that is happening in the news? Sure, he can do all of those things. But the movement today that I think this fellow is after is turning God into kind of a 21st century hipster deity. Who's hey? He's just like you, man. Oh, that's that's the big thing. That's Jimmy. What is the name? If, if, if you're willing to talk to somebody not as cool as me, what is the name? He gets us. I think is the name of the big website that's catching on. He gets us. He understands. He knows your hurts. He had anxiety and depression, too. He was an immigrant outsider. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are we doing? Well, we're trying to drag Jesus into the 21st century to present him like one of us. Those types of efforts absolutely should be rejected. Don't be caught in first century lingo, but don't ignore or avoid it too. (laughs) 1-877-282 I often hear people using the uh, "if we call out to God and fall on our face and He'll heal our nation" all ah. from the Old Testament. Is that applicable to New Testament Christians? If your crops are being eaten by locusts, sure. <laughs> if you read Second Chronicles seven, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and I will heal their land, it was specifically about a land that was not producing food, and God said, "Look, knock it off. Your crops are going to grow." that is the context to that people at that time in that culture. Today we look back on that and we go okay that was true then is there anything that we can bring out of that? Well yeah there is but it's quite limited. We tend to take second chronicles and say okay so if a lot of people will pray god will heal the land. No that's not what the verse promised even to the Jewish people at that time. It wasn't about making people behave better or changing abortion laws It was about providing crops. The context is limited, and we can't take the promise to them that was very limited and expanded into a 21st century context. What do we get out of it? That this system that they were in, it was a quid pro quo system. Don't forget, they were in a quid pro quo system then. You behave, I'll bless you. You don't, you are going to feel the pain. And that might even be a very poor harvest. So repent. So what do we see? God's faithfulness to his covenant. We see God's willingness to bless his people. We see his faithfulness to them and not killing them when they were grumbling, complaining, and behaving wickedly. So we can learn that principles about God, but we can't take an Old Testament promise given to those people at that time in a very limited context and drag it into the 21st century and expand it to promise something that it it didn't promise in the first place. 1-877-282 Beep! 1-877- 282 <laughs>
2: This is Mrs. of the 45th Power Frio, I have bad neighbors. There's no only bad house on the block, but they're awful. They have unruly dogs that are in noises and occasionally use my yard as an outhouse and at times cause a threat to my family's safety. Mm. We've had conversations with the neighbors, we've called the city, called the landlord. Wow. but it just seems wow. to not end. How can I be a godly neighbor, but also seek neighborly peace and stand my ground, so to speak, regarding my family's safety? Oh
1: boy. That's a big deal. Ugh. Having a neighbor like that. In it. Okay, come on. Let's be honest. What couple hasn't talked about this issue? Where could we move where the neighbors won't drive us nuts? Do you know what we might actually glean from that? That if everybody thinks that they've got a neighbor who's nutty or noisy or just just really agitating, we must be too. In some way, shape, or form, (laughs) hopefully it isn't because our property is a mess. We let the dogs run all over the place and bite people. But we might just find ourselves being on the end of that very same critique. Having said that, I think you've done all of the right things. So now what do you do? I I think that we need to think about attitude and then actions. Let's tackle them one at a time. Your attitude is to continue to love them to continue to do whatever you can to lead them to Jesus Christ. So that means you can't be snarky or snippy. It means that you can't say nasty things to them. It, it means that you even need to try to love them. That should be your attitude. Now let's talk about the actions. You've got to keep your family safe. So if you've got, if, if I don't know the degree of dogness that you're dealing with there, but if they're genuinely dangerous, you do need to protect your family. Now, how can you do that? You can talk to them and say, "Look, friend, we we've, we've been through this before, neighbor. I've got to protect my children, and your dogs just aren't safe. Now, I don't want to call the authorities, but I have. I've got to keep my kids. You can understand that, right? If I had a nasty dog, you would want to protect your kids. So, please, would you get your dog under control? Keep it on the tether, whatever. Get a fence for your yard, please." Know that I will have to do what I need to do to keep my kids safe, and I don't want this to end up being ugly. So please get your dog under control. But they don't. They don't do it. Then you need to keep your kids safe. It might mean that it restricts some of their freedoms. You say, that is not fair. I agree it's not fair, but we're called to continue to love. We're called to continue to serve and help and lead people to Jesus. And don't forget, God has you there because he wants you there. You are the man for this time at that address. So use that opportunity. Protect your family. Talk to them lovingly. Plead with them passionately, just like we see Paul do with the government. There were times when he would plead with them. Hey, please, take a look at the laws here. What what are you doing? It's okay to do that, even with a neighbor. And then you'll have to decide what you need to do to keep your kids safe from a dog that is not under control by its neighbor. And I'm sorry for your hassle. That is just a drag. 187. Jimmy, is there anything else you'd recommend to this fellow? Because we've all been there, done that. Oh, absolutely. And just hearing your answer. It's not. It's not. It's not our attitude. Ha- we got to. OK, I've got to have this attitude. Now I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm handling my responsibilities of protecting my family. You're, you're, you know what? You live next door. Let's say they don't keep their house up. It affects your property costs. Um, here's something that you could do. Now, I know this is crazy and I don't say this glibly because I know how hard this is. Believe me, I know. Paint their house. If you think that your property value will go up because of it or it protects your investment and you want to be a good steward, you can mow their lawn. I know, I know, I know, I know. You work through these things, but we are called to be radical disciples of Jesus Christ who do things that we just, I know these things are hard. But if your concern is, look, this is affecting the problem. We're going to be selling next year. Nobody's going to buy the house. if. Then tell your neighbor, hey, neighbor, guess what? I've got the ability to do some stuff for you. Would you let me? And then see if he'll let you help make the property a little bit better so that your property doesn't depreciate. And one last note on this, and I hope I'm not sounding kind of Pollyanna-ish because I, I know how hard this is, and that's why I think that this little nota bene might be an encouragement to all of us. And I'll admit I fail. We can't make the crummy neighbors the centerpiece of our conversations in our home for the purpose of trashing and bashing or just kind of letting it out because we're just so agitated with these people. I know that that can happen. Don't let it be corrosive in your home. Don't let it turn your conversations into a perpetual sour fest where it's just griping carping. And use this as an opportunity to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because that is what God is doing when he gives you a crummy neighbor. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.